Hello everyone, it's Frank Andrews, and today is, well, it's Wednesday, October 14th, I nearly forgot, but I wanted to do something special today rather than just discuss my day. Since it is October, it's the month of haunts, and Halloween is my favorite holiday like many people, therefore I thought it would be quite fun to explore the urban myths and paranormal happenings that have occurred or people have claimed occurred in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Me, I am quite the expert ghost hunter because I used to, well, I watched many episodes on ghost hunting and I always find them to be humorous in regard to, in regards to there's enough episodes and various shows to watch in a lifetime, more times over. And they're always the same in regards to they never find any evidence of paranormal activities. But that doesn't, I don't think that really concludes anything. I do believe in it, but those shows are just kind of ridiculous. I do like BuzzFeed and Solved Supernatural one because of the chemistry between the two guys, Shane and Ryan. And what I like about that show is it's more fun to learn about, well, they're fun in regards to making the exploration kind of fun, but the way they explain the history of the house or the asylum or whatever they're visiting. So that's why I like that. But the idea of watching to hope that there's going to be a ghost finding is just false. Like, especially in today's age, in the digital age, if there is evidence of a ghost or paranormal sighting, it will be all over Twitter and all over the internet and news. Well, at least Twitter or Reddit or something. Those are where you actually can find some more evidence versus a TV show that they use all these weird devices and think any kind of sound is, could be a ghost. It's stupid. But anyways, so I wanted to get into what I saw. I looked up most haunted places in Tulsa. Perhaps you have stories yourself. And if you do, please contact me at hello at oktulsa.org or frank at oktulsa.org email. And let me know because I'm very curious. I do want to try to figure, find these places. The first place that I did visit that individuals say is haunted, but I sensed no hauntings was the Philbrook Museum. People tend to say that the statues move. That's about the gist of it. That's pretty much the extent. Individuals may have may try to claim that you know Wait and Genevieve Phillips walk the grounds, but that's probably false because they died in Los Angeles. They didn't stay in Tulsa. They lived out their lives in LA, you know, that sunny hellscape. And now their graves are being danced on by TikTok dancers. So maybe they're haunting them. But I did a basic Google search and let's just jump into the first one because I think this one's very popular in Tulsa and it is known around the state. And this is the Hex House. Not like the brand Hex, which is backpacks. So it says the famous Tulsa Hex House lives on the city's annual Hex House Haunted Attraction. One of the scariest Halloween haunts in the state. And this is why I say individual individuals probably know it because they have the haunted house on top of this spot. The original legend begins with Carol Ann Smith, a woman who went by several names in the Tulsa area in 1944. 
After noticing some suspicious behavior, the police searched Carol's house. I want to know what that suspicious behavior was. What was she doing? That really got the cops to say like, hey, we should check out this lady. And what's that? It seems so arbitrary. She could just, well, she, well clearly there's something wrong with her, but I want to know what, how the cops were like, the lady's very suspicious. That, that one lady who told me her name was Michelle. She told me her name was Sarah. She told me her name was Xbox. I don't know. <clears throat> but anyways, they after noticing some sp suspicious behavior about her, they don't sp specify what that was. The police searched her house, hopefully with a warrant, at 10 East 21st Street, and they found two women living there as, quotations, religious slaves is an interesting term i never heard that term before to be a religious slave so they found these two women in the dark and unheated basement these religious slaves which is probably very disturbing and creepy to find could you imagine as a, a local policeman after thinking like oh this lady's kind of weird and it's like oh it turns out she's weirder than i thought she's holding two women down in her basement it's dark it's unheated i'd be terrifying to see it's like a horror film of some sort Supposedly, these two women were under hypnosis or some kind of hex, hence the hex house. Carol forced them to live in cages with barely any food for over seven years. I'm guessing they probably informed the police about their living conditions. But did they find them in cages? It doesn't really specify. It says they found them living there, but were they in the cages when they found them? That would be even creepier. How large were these cages? Were they like dog crates? Like a cage you put for a dog? Or were they as small as bird cages? I mean, not like a tiny bird cage, but a big one. Or were like human cages? Like where did she get these? Did she build them herself? Like chicken coops or something? Anyways, they found them in cages and they were only allowed outside to go to work and even gave Smith their paychecks at the promise of great rewards. Wow. She really bamboozled these individuals. She really had an influence on them. Perhaps, maybe there just seemed like a lot of people are searching for meaning. They desperately want something to believe in. And like a lot of these cults and ideas, these people want to feel like what they're doing is meaningful. They want to believe in something. And someone who comes is very charismatic and speaks with conviction and really kind of does this entrancing effect on somebody. Maybe that was happening. Or maybe she really knew witchcraft and just convince these people, hey, go out and work and then bring me my money. That sounds amazing. I really wanna know this lady's technique because who wouldn't want that? I'm not trying to practice the dark arts, but if I can go and have someone else, two people decide to work for me in regards to go out and work, they do all that and just give me the money. That sounds nice and you don't have to feed them and just give them a cage to live in. This lady had the life, this Carol Ann. Um, Smith, Carol Smith, lived off several life insurance policies she had been collecting under suspicious circumstances yeah how does that happen is it because all these different names she kept saying and then she would claim that that person died i'm sure the system was a lot easier to get around like you you don't it's much more challenging now to probably try to do any of these scams that you could get away with when technology wasn't the thing so maybe she was smart enough to like hey i'm just going to say that this person is who i am and then claim that the person died after taking a life insurance policy out and just forging a lot of things. 
She works the system. And she works some people. Smith lived off several life insurance policies she had been collecting under suspicious circumstances. Yeah, I want to know what, how that was. It is widely believed she planned on taking out insurance on the two women as well. But why? Did they just assume, like, okay, she's taking life insurance policies out on individuals? Maybe she was in the process of doing a life insurance policy on them. And then if she was planning on killing them, that seems like... I don't know. I don't know Caroline Smith, but that seems like that's too extreme for her. She just seems like she's a scammer and found some two gullible women that were willing to believe whatever she was saying and give her, like, convince these ladies to give them her paycheck. And then she just rigged these insurance companies and probably did some other forgery with the government. Took a, she seems like a scammer, not a murderer. So I don't think she would murder these people. I don't believe that. I'm on Carol Ann Smith's side on this. Smith was never charged with murder, but yeah, because she didn't murder anybody, but did jail time after the investigation. Probably little jail time, and it was just insurance fraud. She probably got like a slap of the wrist. Upon her release, she fled the state. The house was a popular spooky site visited by teenagers until it was torn down in 1975. The basement is supposedly still intact under a paved parking lot, and the story lives on as inspiration for Tulsa's Hex House haunted attraction. This doesn't seem scary. This doesn't seem like anything, really. I don't think she was doing witchcraft or occult practices. It really just seems like she was a con woman after reading this who just probably left the state because she said, probably thought like, okay, people know me here, I can't scam anymore, so I have to go to the next state. I'm sure she probably can continue to scam. I wanna know about her. Does anyone know the life story of Carol Ann Smith? I really think that she was just a scammer. Found two gullible women, scammed the insurance policies. Who cares, insurance companies are, are not the most moral people anyways, we know that. And took advantage of the government that's constantly incompetent. Much props to Caroline Smith. She's not a murderer, of course. There's nothing really scary about this house. Someone's just trying to really grasp for straws here. Just try to say that they're in a trance. It's like, no, you meet gullible people all the time. You meet tons of individuals who are fall under these traps. Like, cults are always popular. Religious fervor for various social causes, for religions, for anything is so common, especially nowadays. People were desperately wanting meaning and they still wanted meaning then. And so if she just gave them something to believe in, like she was some, I don't know, religious leader, if they gave her her money, they would enter heaven or something of that nature. It's like, she probably took the playbook 101 from those preachers, but this is before the TV time, where now they talk about giving you, like, give me your money and I will ensure that your name is on the book and you'll be led into the gates of heaven. If hell is a real place and those people have to have a special place for themselves in hell to use religion and God to benefit to truly just straight up, maybe, I don't know, people are just that gullible sometimes. It's crazy to really think about. They, someone go on TV and say, almost exactly in these words, if you give us money, give me money and I will ensure that you will have a place in heaven. God will say, you, Michael, you, Tina, you both, since you gave money to that preacher, you guys have a special place right by me and right by my son, Jesus Christ. Like, 
the fact that people are willing to really believe that and throw their hard-earned money, maybe it's not hard-earned, maybe it's just earned, money to this individual in hopes that this is really true is crazy to me. But it's always been going on. Scammers have been around. She's just a scammer. That's not scary. Okay, let's think. Let's see the next one. So the next place that they have here is Kane's Ballroom. Kane's Ballroom has been providing a good time to Tulson since 1924. And the spirits that call this popular music venue home seem unwilling to give up the splendor of the past. Located in the heart of downtown Tulsa, Kane's Ballroom was the site of Bob Wills and the Texas Playboys' first regular radio broadcast. The venue's nickname, Home of Bob Wills, is more accurate than you can imagine. This is why. As Kane's Ballroom is reportedly haunted by the ghost of Bob Wills himself. So I wonder what he's doing. Does he just walk around? Does he still think he is doing radio? See, like a Rush Limbaugh, one of those early radio guys. He is joined by a woman known only as the Lady in Red, who's probably his mistress of some sort, wearing a red dress, I'm assuming. Both employees and visitors have reported seeing, hearing, feeling the presence of this mysterious woman. So people seem to not really claim Bob, but they see the, and hear the woman. So maybe they just see them walking around. They don't really seem like they're too, um, doesn't seem like it's evil or troubled. Perhaps it's just these people that continue to think that they're working at this ballroom. Because what was he, a radio broadcaster? So yeah, maybe he's just working. She was part of his staff and slash his mistress and he just kept her. Then if someone has any experience with that, please let me know. Sure, it's still terrifying if you do see or you get, I don't know how it would be. I've never seen an apparition, but if you have, please inform me how it is, but I would assume that you would question yourself and be skeptical or frightened, maybe just more shocked than frightened. If you witnessed an apparition or a person, a, a thing that you thought was a person and then it just disappeared in front of your eyes. I don't know if it floats or doesn't walk through walls or do they just see it very briefly and then it's gone, but that could just be, it could feel like you're just, your eyes play tricks on you, especially in the dark or when you're alone. There's nothing creepier than, you can be in a normal spot that's completely safe during the day, even if it's not during the day. It could be, I mean, it can be during the day and you could just be by yourself in a big spot and it could be creepy. Like uh, in college, I was, I did maintenance and janitorial service at this church and it would be, it would feel sometimes creepy just because I'd be by myself in this large building. It had multiple rooms, like classrooms, daycare centers, all these things. So I'd be walking around and uh, lights would be off and things. So it's just, it's completely fine, but it's still, you can't help but start playing tricks with your mind. You may hear something, see something because you're just by yourself and it's eerie. And I think that happens for a lot. I'm not trying to denounce or admonish any real encounters or everybody's but I feel like the vast majority of people are just quick to assume that they heard or saw something or that they want things to be real they want it to feel creepier than it actually is but the Kane's Ballroom maybe it is it's old I feel like anything that's old has to feel like maybe haunted 
on that topic, I do currently reside in Airbnb, and this used to be an old hospital. Um, my Airbnb in particular is a maternity room. So thankfully it's not where individuals probably died. It's like the spot that you can come back, the babies are cared for, the mother can stay with the baby. So it's a place of nurturing and love. I haven't seen any hauntings. I haven't seen a mother nursing her baby or hearing any baby cries, nothing of that nature. All I hear is just trains all night and drunken people outside. The trains are so ridiculous. They're annoying. Why do you have to blare your horns every hour? Is it how many blind people are walking across the train tracks and they, they can only hear the blur blaring of the horns? Like anyone else can see the lights flashing, the things drop down, you're not allowed to cross. It tells you that the train's crossing. You don't need to blast it, but it's nonstop. But anyways, back to the hauntings. So that was that one. Well, the next one is the Gilcrease Museum. This is a big one. It's located in Northwest Tulsa. The Gilcrease, Gilcrease Museum was originally built by Thomas Gilcrease, hence the name, who was an extensive collector of artwork. I do want to visit it. Today, the museum holds one of the world's most comprehensive collections of Western and American Indian art, Native American. I don't know why it still says Indian. Visitors will find most of the museum like it is described in the books. Although the Gilcrease house is renovated, where it fits into the story and tempted the Gilcrease Museum. Oh, this is about some kind of thing. Some kind of tour. I need to get out of this one. But practically they say he roams the gardens, Thomas Gilcrease. He's uh, Casper, the friendly type of ghost, meaning he's just friendly. He just mends his garden, waters his plants, maybe invites you to play a little bit of croquet. He offers you a beverage. He may tip his hat to you. He's a jolly old chap. It's nothing to be frightened about. None of these are really like hauntings, but there is one. I'm trying to find it again. I looked it up in the past. I want to talk about the Oklahoma ones on another podcast. But right now, you know, which is room to have a high turnover rate for night. Night security guards, that's a shitty job. It says they have a high turnover rate, probably because no one wants to be up at night working the graveyard shift. That's not a cause to instantly say that that's a ghost. It's haunting them. Okay, it says, A collector until his death in 1962, it seems that Thomas won't let death separate him and his beloved art. He's an art lover. He doesn't want him to get rid of his art. He paid a lot of money for that. He worked hard to grab it. Why would he just want it to be relinquished? He, he is often spotted wandering the grounds of his original rock house, referred to as Tom's Place during his lifetime. So it's his favorite, it's like his man cave. It's when he wants to get away from the family, goes to his rock house, stares at his art. The oil man also seems to enjoy a stroll along the museum's garden pathways leading to his remains, which are housed within a mausoleum on the grounds. Who doesn't love to take a stroll? I'm sure the gardens are lovely. So he just seems like he's wants to just enjoy what he loved most when he was alive, his art, um, walking in his gardens and his rock house, Tom's place, where he just has his, can just chill and be by himself, a tranquil setting. That's like his heaven, so it doesn't seem too bad. <clears throat> it doesn't seem like he's bothering the night guards. Why does he care about them? Unless they're entering his, his place. Visitors to the Gilcrease gardens may also spot the ghosts of several Native American children running throughout the gardens. 
as the original house was used as an orphanage when the Gilcrease was away on business. So that's a little different. I didn't hear about that one before. They're saying that the, the orphanage has these children, but why would they be still running around the garden? Did they die there? Did something bad happen there? They didn't say that. Couldn't they just, they had that was like a brief moment of their life and they went and just lived normal lives afterwards? Why do they have to be ghosts? Because they were just there once? That just doesn't seem right. In the rational, logical ghost world, typically they haunt when something bad happens. Or perhaps they're really attached to it, like Gilcrease. Like there's this kind of energy that's trapped there because it's uh, it makes an imprint on this world because of a similar thing that continues to happen and a strong energy. He probably felt a strong love for his art, a strong love for his gardens and his place and he was constantly there and doing the same kind of things. So maybe the Native American children really enjoyed running throughout the gardens. That was the happiest time of their lives. Perhaps that kind of replay continues to play. I don't know. Here's another thing that someone said, a quote. Doesn't say who quoted it, just has a quote here. So we have to look at this with a skeptical eye. Cannot, it's not attributed to anyone. It's just thrown, no preference. It's just, yeah, here it is. This young woman has appeared quite frequently for theater workers and when spoken to, she sits quietly and appears to be watching something no one else can see. I don't even know if this is for the Gilcrease. It's just thrown in here, literally, right after it. Still in the same column as them. A young woman appeared quite frequently for theater workers, and when spoken to, she sits quietly and appears to be watching something no one else can see. So it's at some theater. I don't know where they're trying to say this is at. It literally just thrown in here. And maybe it's just a woman that wants to watch something or is just crazy. People are trying to talk to her and she's like, I'm trying to watch a film. Why are you guys talking to me? I'm a talker in movies, by the way. I'm probably the most annoying person to watch movies with. Not it, if I'm paying for the movie and I'm there, I'm not going to disturb people. But if, I, if I'm at home, I will speak during movies. And let's see what else they say. This, there's one that's pretty scary. Well, it has more things about it, more urban myths. But let's continue here. There's one that's called... Oh yeah, the Brady Theater is a common one. It's closed right now, but they say the ghost of Enrico Caruso haunts the Brady Theater. Supposedly he got sick when he came to Tulsa and he died like weeks after or something and he blames it on the trip to Tulsa. And so he decides to haunt it and sing. Yeah, maybe. So the Calvary Cemetery is the first place at Tulsa World, the newspaper and newspaper website claims. It is located at 9101 South Harvard Avenue, if you're familiar with it or live near it. This was a popular parking spot for some generations of Tulsa teens. So is that saying that it's a makeout spot, a sex spot, a parking, it has parking quotations. So I'm, I'm assuming they go to a cemetery to have sex or make out, seems odd. Or do some drugs, I don't know. At least those brave enough to go there at night. Most didn't even know the real name of the cemetery. It was always Sparky's. Sparky is said to be a headless man who does not take a cotton to uninvited guests. I'm assuming that's a phrase that's common. Does everyone know what that phrase means in Tulsa? I have no idea what that phrase means. It just means he's not nice to individuals. He does not take a cotton 
to uninvited guests. Like a softness to them. So they're saying he's some guy who's headless, tries to chase him away. He's probably upset, probably wants to rest there in a cemetery. He got decapitated, guillotined sometime, and just wants to rest. And then he's still be giving, he's given a headache somehow by these teens who just keep showing up and using the parking spot as a brothel. No wonder he's upset. The next spot is Tulsa Garden Center, located on 2435 South Peoria Avenue. <clears throat> As the story goes, J. Arthur Hole purchased the Travis Mansion in 1923, and soon after his wife, Mary, died from an illness. Probably tuberculosis. Everyone seemed to die of tuberculosis during that time. So anyways, his wife died from an illness, and her body was laid out for viewing in the South Arboretum. Arboretum. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Her spirit is said to cause odd occurrences in the room, which stays cool all year despite its large windows. Maybe as AC. So she's in there all year, um, and it's just nice. Stays she stay, it stays cold. That's nice of her. She's keeping her the plants and whatnot, all that nice and cool. And any guests that want to come in, you don't have to. She's saving money for. For the garden center, they do not have to pay for AC, right? They don't have to pay, pay electricity bills. She keeps it cool for them. She's saving them money. Shout out to her. Shout out to Mary Hole. That's about the extent of the haunting. She just keeps the place nice and cold. She seems like she's generous and is understanding that people want to save money and don't want to pay for AC. The next spot is Redbud Valley Nature Preserve, located on 161st East Avenue. It's about 3.8 miles north of Interstate 44. Okay, according to paranormal writings, a schoolgirl's body was found near what is known as Kara's Bridge. I'm assuming it's Kara's Bridge. The bridge belongs to Kara. In 1976, and the sound of a young girl laughing has been reported there ever since. So it seems like what I'm pulling out from this brief little segment is that a schoolgirl was found dead around the bridge and now she's there laughing. So someone must have told her a joke before she died. For some reason, that's like the transformation that what that happens with a child's laugh is crazy, right? Hearing a child's laugh makes your heart warm and you feel happy inside when you're around and it's joyful. And then when you're hearing a child's laughter, when you're not supposed to, right? Like when you're in a place at, at night by yourself or in an eerie spot, right? Then it becomes the most frightening thing and your heart like feels like it's stopping or it rushes in the most horrifying way. Transformation is intense, being the most amazing to the most terrifying. The next spot, it says it's Easton Street near Yale Avenue. A whole street. All accounts refer to this as Easton Place. But lacking such a street in Tulsa, we'll go with Easton Street. Supposedly, between the hours of 2 to 4 a.m., I think that's the witches' time, right? The cultists do all the, their happenings at 2 to 4. The witches' hour, I believe, is 3 a.m. In the fall, the ghost of a young boy can be seen running down the street, and some report hearing him scream. 
Perhaps not coincidentally, this is near Rose Hill Cemetery. So a boy's running around, running down the street screaming. If it just seems like a young boy that might be playing, a ghost boy. If you're familiar with children, they scream all the time and they're running and screaming nonstop. It doesn't have to be a horrifying scream. It's not even laughter, they just love screaming. I had that occurrence at the Philbrook, Philbrook Museum last weekend. It was second Saturday, which is invites families to go for free to do fun activities. But uh, parents that want to go in to the museum to actually look at the artifacts and artwork, unfortunately have their children there that do not give a flying F, don't want to cuss, about, about the artwork. They don't care about the, what it, the history of anything or how revolutionary it was or how beautiful it is or what it means. They don't care. So they're running around the hallways, screaming, shouting, and the parents are trying to ignore them and just like, come on, you gotta be quiet. And of course the kids just still act up. It was annoying. It was a disturbance, but I can't blame the children. And I know the parents just want to go in, so whatever. The next spot is the Spotlight Theater. It's located at 1381 Riverside Drive. Some have heard footsteps coming from the costume room, but no one was supposed to be in there. It's an old place. It is also said that there's something chilling about strange scratch marks on a wall in the basement. So there's the scratch marks, maybe from an animal that was trapped down there. And they hear some footsteps and it's probably not a well-insulated building. It most likely it is old. Things are going to creak. You're going to hear footsteps in other rooms that sound like they're coming elsewhere because everything is not insulated. That seems like a load of baloney. Not very much hauntings, but there is one. I, I can't seem to find it at the moment. Um, let me look it up real fast. It has to do with the deer woman. If you're familiar with this, please let me know. This one seems like it has more legs to it. It's, it's at Mohawk Park, I believe. Because there's also a haunted bathroom. And it's like a, it's an urban legend from Native American. Okay, so at this park, I believe it's Mohawk Park. There's a, first off, there's a bathroom. They say it's haunted. It, it's very cold. They say when the lights are supposed to be off or if electricity is turned off, the light still turns on. So that's quite eerie. You know, I don't think it has its own generator. But the deer woman is one that people constantly see. This is, so it's a deer woman, sometimes known as a deer lady, depending on what you would rather call them. Maybe it'll be gender neutral soon, and you just have to call it a deer person. It's a spirit in various forms of Native American mythology that is primarily associated with fertility and love. It sounds kind, though primarily known, shown as a benign spirit, she's also shown to leer promiscuous men to their death. So somehow men are becoming very seduced by this woman that's half woman, half deer. She appears as either a beautiful young woman or a deer. So are they being attracted to just a deer? She has equivalents in Greek mythology and other mythologies in the world. Red, red eyes, long flowing black hair and hooves instead of feet. They say she's a shapeshifter. It, they show up at times when their minds are weak and vulnerable, blah, blah, blah. She doesn't say much. And lastly, I'll say, they say it's a deer spirit associated with fertility and love, like I said. Um, the deer woman is sometimes depicted in animal form, other times in human form. 
Sometimes it's a mixture between the two. Even though she may help women conceive children, some stories portray her as a more dangerous being who might, like the other one said, seduce men, especially adulterous and promiscuous men, and lead them to their deaths. Or leave them to pine away from love sick sickness. Uh, among contemporary Native American people of Oklahoma, dear women often play a boogeyman sort of role, said to trample incautious people to death especially girl crazy young men or disobedient children. So it seems like a way to try to rein people in like a lot of myths. There's a popular one in, uh, well, I don't know if it's all Hispanic, but I know it's Mexican culture. There's a La Llorona, hopefully I'm saying that right. It is a woman who drowned her children and then she cries out about it afterwards. And they always, like every grandparent always warns the children not to go out because Lala Yorona is going to capture you if you go out because she's going to want to replace her children with you. I think there's a recent horror film about it. I didn't hear rave reviews about it, so I'm assuming that it being a horror film, it probably falls in line with 99.8% of the other horror films, which it is terrible. Horror films are typically always terrible. Rarely do you see a good horror film and you're like, wow, that was amazing. I got to recommend this. I got to see this again. I got to tell people about this. Typically, you're just like, that was whack. Or it's just terrible, cheesy. They're never good. And so it just seems like they're doing that, like telling children like, oh, she's going to trample you if you go out. So you don't have your children running out at night. Or you want men who are already promiscuous or adulterous to try to tell your husband or boyfriend like, if you keep doing this and you go outside, you're going to find a dear woman who you're going to be attracted to. And she's going to trample you to your death for cheating. Some people say that this is a more violent version of the deer woman and is actually a human woman who either transformed into a deer after being raped or is brought back to life by the original deer woman spirit after being murdered. So they're saying this is different. They're saying there are two different spirits. There's a deer woman who's an original, more of a benign spirit that's actually kind. She may lure individuals in, but she mostly helps women out, fertility and love but then she supposedly helped out a woman that was murdered or raped and made her come back with a vengeance where she will now trick men to almost seem like they're going to have sex with her and then trample them to the death or just be so enraged that she decides to trample little children that don't listen to their parents. Others say it's the same old dear woman and just has a few good reasons to be in a worse mood these days. So she's just the same woman, but now she's older and with old age comes sometimes more resentment and anger with the world. They turned her sacred land into a golf course. So she's pissed about it. Maybe it depends what you think. If you've seen her, then please let me know. I mean, that's like the, the one that seems the most kind of creepy, just that spot. It's just such a big land. Um, I believe it's Mohawk, yeah, Mo Mohawk Park. So it's like named after, I think, the Mohawks tribe, Mohawk tribe. Interesting nonetheless, but that was about uh, all they ever say about the Tulsa hauntings, anything that's haunted here. I'm sure there's probably a, many more. I think the Mayo Hotel has I probably some stories about it just because it's an old hotel. There's a lot of old buildings here. Therefore, there's probably numerous tells, but 
none really are that prominent that they make it to the mainstream. So that was all, but I will do more regarding just Oklahoma urban legends. There's probably far more in regards to the entire state rather than just one specific city. But I hope you enjoyed. If you do have any further tales of your own regarding hauntings, it doesn't have, just have to be Tulsa. It can be anywhere neighboring or just the complete state of Oklahoma or just any personal ones. I really don't care. I just love hearing ghost stories from people. Then let me know. You'd be doing me a favor because, like I mentioned, I revel in them. I find them to be immensely enjoyable. Anyways, thank you for listening to this special edition of OK Tulsa. This is Frank Andrews, and I will speak with you later. Goodbye.